Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason Podcast. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Racks, offering the coolest bow hanger on the market. Display your bow with pride in your house, your garage, or anywhere you'd like. We carry most major brands while also offering a custom service if you have an idea or logo of your own that you'd like made into a hanger. Use them to display your traditional bow, compound bow, or even your crossbow. They also work great for hanging your hunting gear, your bags, or hats. Not to mention the design just looks plain awesome all by themselves. A Rax hanger makes for a great gift for that special hunter in your life. Go to RaxInc.com to see some of the available designs or contact us to discuss the custom hanger of your own. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast, use the promo code PODCAST and get 15% off your first order. Rax, show off your passion. DTO Optics wants to be your optics provider. They offer rugged and dependable rifle scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes, and rangefinder options. You'll find big name quality optics at little name prices. DTO Optics is your value-based optics company providing awesome customer service, a 30-day love it or your money back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. Check out DTO Optics online at dtooptics.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Buck Fever Synthetics, the premier attractant company, making not only the finest whitetail synthetic attractants, but also scents for elk, moose, bear, and hog hunters. Use with Buck Fever's Vanishing Hunter to reduce your scent and see the difference. Put out Buck Fever year-round to have the animals coming in. It crystallizes in dry soil and reactivates with moisture, and it never spoils. It simply works. Go to BuckFeverUSA.com to see the full line of Buck Fever Synthetics. Make bucks hunt you. Proudly made in America. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today I've got Matt Miller on the line. Matt is the owner of Try and Hard Outdoors, which does marketing and, and representation for outdoor companies. And he also does some guiding service when he just can't seem to find enough else to keep him busy, as well as professionally shooting and 3D competitions his crossbow. And Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. How are you? Oh, fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it's been six, eight months since I had you on last time, I guess. Something like it was right after, it had to be in August, because I remember you had sent me the email about it with the picture and stuff that we put on there. Actually, I was on my way home from the IBO World Championships. Right. Okay. Yeah, that would seem about right back in August. Yeah. And so, you know, you, as I listed a little bit there, you like you professionally shoot crossbows and you're with mission crossbows, correct? Yes, sir. I am uh, representing I've been with them for two years now. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic line of crossbows. And then you're with trying hard outdoors and you do all the marketing and everything for Collins low country adventures. Correct. What I want to start off talking with is not many people because it's a trade show for the industry and not open to the public. Not many people get to, attend the ATA show, the uh, Archery Trade Association show. And you were able to attend this year, 2019 show in, was it, where was that at, Kentucky? Yeah, we were in Louisville this year. Louisville. It was back to, 
bounces back and forth between Indianapolis and Louisville most years. Okay, and so tell me, what did you see there that's coming down the pipeline for the 2019-2020 years that they were they were showing at the ATA? It's ATA is hard to explain. It's it's like a grown ups Disneyland or a grown ups North Pole. I mean, it's it's its own entity. It's a double sided store. It's it's neat that the general public isn't allowed in because it lets everybody in the industry lets us have our meetings and and do some of the business and and conversations that really aren't open to the public. At the same time, I wish there was a way to either add a day, but it's just scheduling the reason that they can't to let the public in there because I mean, it is, it's, we all work our butts off for those three days, but it's a ball. I mean, just to go out there and, and see everybody from the industry that you don't get to see all the time because our schedules are all so crazy. And my schedule doesn't even compare to some of the big time guys, you know, with their travels and, and where all they end up every year. But just to have everybody in one building for three days, it, it's a blast. You know, to see, see all the new products, all the manufacturers, it's, it's overwhelming. And you don't get to, you really don't get to see all of it as much as you'd like, especially from some of the new companies, you know, where we're all kind of, on a schedule while we're there of who we have to meet and okay, I gotta spend some time in this booth and I gotta go spend some time in the mission booth and I gotta go over here and hang out with the guys from HHA and you know and everything else. It, it's a hectic crazy few days and you definitely need a day of sleep when you get home. <laughs> but it's absolutely worth it. Like I said that's what all the new products for the year are released on the archery side. Um and everybody's there, your clothing manufacturers, your boots, knives. I mean, everybody, anybody and everybody's there as far as manufacturers go. What neat did you see coming from Mission? The two new bows from Mission this year are just phenomenal. They changed their lineup. We released, we've got three bows in the crossbow line now. Um, the Sub-1 Lite, the Sub-1, and the Sub-1 XR. I'm shooting. I'll be shooting this year a sub one again. Um, the sub one XR is a little bit longer and faster. It's a 410 foot a second bow, and it's just. I mean, for for that speed, the, the as quiet as it is and as smooth as it is is unreal. I'm not a big speed freak. Uh, one sanctioned body that I shoot in the IBO changed their rules for this year. They used to have no speed limit. So we all always shot one bow for ASA, and then we'd all swap over and shoot the fastest hot rod we could build for IBO because it was all unknown distance. So this year, the IBO really kind of bit us a little bit. They added a speed limit, so now we could only shoot 340 feet a second, but they also stretched us out 50 yards. So we've got to shoot 50 yards unknown distance at 340 feet a second. So nobody, none of us that, that travel and shoot all of the stuff, none of us are building a speedboat this year because there's there's no reason to. So I'll build, I mean, in the process of building two identical mission sub ones from the grip to the scope, the bows will be absolutely identical. So if, if I have an issue or if I have a problem, I put one down, pick up the other one, and it's exactly the same. If I drop it, you know, something crazy happens to it, my backup is exactly the same. There's no change, no variation for me. The bow I think is really going to be the sleeper is the Sub-1 Lite. 
Uh, it's only a 330 foot a second bow, but it's a little smaller. It's quite a bit physically lighter. The lower draw weight. It's going to be a phenomenal kids and women's bow. Just smooth as silk, quiet. I'm anxious to really, really put one on the range. I think that thing's just going to be insanely accurate and forgiving. Now, I'm looking at the Sub 1 Lite right here. So, at speeds of up to 335 feet per second, it falls right under that 340 max without having to do any adjustments to the tension of the strings or the cams or anything. Right. The only difference is that speed, that 335, is specced with a 350-grain arrow. So, for ASA, you would be perfectly legal. However, on the IBO side, they while they don't have a speed limit, they left an arrow weight restriction of your bow, your arrow still has to weigh 450 grains. So that would really drop that speed. Um, trying to shoot unknown distance, yeah, that, that would really hurt. Um, but for a hunting bow or, or for a target bow at home, that thing is going to be insane. Um, I'm probably going to end up setting one of the sub one lights up and bringing it down to Collins Low Country Hunt Club and leaving it there uh, for clients to use and people to borrow and try and just play with. We always loan out all our custom guns that we have there in camp for clients to use if they need them. Um, and with the crossbows gaining more popularity and people wanting to try them, uh, I've got actually one of my old horns are down there right now. Uh, but I think I'm going to put together, I've already talked to the people at Mission, and I think we're going to end up building a sub one light and leaving that down there just for anybody who decides they want to try it or hunt with it or whatever to, to run with it. It's only, it says axle to axle when it's cocked, it's only 10 and a half inches. Yep. So my favorite cross, well, I should say my favorite, the crossbow I've grown up shooting is an Excalibur. Because there's no cams or anything like that, it's got the longer limbs to deliver the same type of power. And mine's a right. bit older. So even when it's fully cocked, you're not getting it at 10 and a half inches from, from end to end. No, no. The S-Cows are, I mean, don't get me wrong, they build the best recurve bow in the market. Hands down, they do. That's all they build. That's their niche, and they build the best ones out there. And there's advantages and disadvantages to a, to a recurve-style crossbow. Obviously, there's less parts, you know, so there's, there's less things to go wrong. There's one string. There's no cables and cams and everything else. They can't come out. They don't come out of tune nearly as much. You know, so they are simpler, and that and that's always been Excal's or the recurve side of it in general. Their marketing angle is it's it's simpler. I used to pick on the guys all the time, just in in friendly ribbon and giving them a hard time. You know, well, a horse is simpler than a truck, but we all drove our trucks to get here too, didn't we? <laughs> but they, it's it's really personal preference. You know, it, it's like anything else. If you compare apples to apples, you know, an Excal is going to kill just as many deer as a Mission is or a darting or a 10 point or anything else, you know, they're, they're, they're good bows. Well, here's something I thought was kind of cool about the, the mission. And I, I think this is new to this year. And this is one I, I was excited to have you on was this new decocking button that they put on them. That can, that was new to the sub one line last year, last, last year, year okay. the first year they had that. Yeah. And now it's on all three bows this year. Cause they're all based off of that same, they all have the same benchmark, that's our trigger housing system. It's called the benchmark fire control system. What a novel concept. Three, 
You know, honestly, for years, I've never, you know, a lot of people used to swear, oh, it's, it's got to have a decock, got to be able to decock it. And I never bought into that until I had it. And then I went, wow, that is pretty cool. <laughs> that really is pretty nice, you know. I And I admit, I mean, I'm spoiled. I do most of my hunting is either right here on my own land. I mean, I literally walk out my back door and walk up on the mountain. So I'm going to, if I come out of the woods, I've got, obviously I've got an 80 yard range right out my back door that I shoot every day. So it's no big deal for me to come out of the woods and just grab an arrow that I leave. I leave one arrow stuck in one of my bag targets and I grab it and I stick down the bow and I shoot it. Okay. That arrow sit there till next time I go, you know, so that was never an issue. When I get to hunt at our place in South Carolina, again, I'm very fortunate and, and have, you know, the, the best of the best when it comes to opportunity and, and places and, and things to do like that. So it really was never an issue. But once you have it and you realize, wow, this for somebody that, and most people don't have the, some of the offerings that I do on that kind of stuff, this is a pretty big deal, you know, and it, it's a lot safer than riding around with this thing cocked in the back of your pickup truck. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. You know, and some States you have to uncock it to come out of the woods. If you hunt, you know, some states, if it's not legal shooting hours, you can't have the bow cop. Other states are different. Like where I live in Virginia, as soon as you remove the arrow, it's considered unloaded. So you can go into the woods or come out of the woods, whatever you need to do with a cop. You can lay it in the backseat of your truck, cop, as long as there's no arrow on it. Other states are different. And that, that's really where this comes into play is, is these states where it has to be uncocked to come out of the woods or it has to, and or it has to be uncocked before you load in a truck. You know, now you don't have to carry a discharge arrow with you or a bag with you or make all that, especially the guys that have to decock it before they come out of the woods. I don't know what I would have done before I had it if I hunted in a state like that because I don't want to make that much noise in my woods when I'm leaving. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I always had to do was you just didn't have a choice. You just had to shoot it. Yeah, and that's what they do. I mean, it is, what you know, there's nothing else to do. You know, a lot of guys for years have, have decocked them by reaching down and, and overriding the anti-dry fires and trying to, you know, use a rope cocker with one hand. And can it be done? Yes. Am I going to lie to you and tell you I've never done it? No, I won't lie to you and tell you I've done it. I've done it. In certain situations, you know, if, if something was broke or it was something wrong, I have done that. It's not safe to do. It's a real good way to blow up your bow. You know, most com- most compound crossbows and all your recurve crossbows are at max draw weight when they're sitting on that trigger latch. So now when you only have one handle of that rope cocker in your hands and you reach down with your other hand and try and override the anti-dry fire, turn your safety off and squeeze the trigger, you've instantly got 200 pounds of pressure on your fingertips. Yep. It's real easy. I've watched it happen and, and read countless horror stories of, of guys blowing up bows or even worse, getting hurt doing it. I used to uncock my... Excalibur with holding, you know, the cocking rope in one arm and yeah. discharging. And that was before my back. Now that my back is as bad as it is, there's no way that as soon as that thing went off, I'd be, I, you know, I'd be pulled head over heels across that crossbow. Yeah. You know, so I, you, even when the guys put the cranks on them and try and do it with the crank, it's the same way. None of those cranks were designed. A couple of them are now. But up till about two years ago, none of them were designed to actually work in reverse. So what you had to do is actually hit the override button and then hold all that weight on that crank handle. And again, I can't tell you how many times I've seen or heard of that handle slipping out of somebody's hands and busting fingers or 
busting the palm of their hand as that thing came around and just smashed them like they got hit with a hammer. Oh yeah, because that that handle would flip around there so fast. You yeah. you don't have the time to move your hand. No, and it's it's the same as the rope handle. It's small and little, and it's not it, it's not really designed to do that, you know. So you can't get a you know can an average man hold that weight on that crank? Sure, but there is no they're not big giant robust handles where you got plenty of stuff to hang on to. Yeah, it's certainly an accident waiting to happen. So. Yeah. You know, so this is cool. So Mission has expanded their line of crossbows to three, and you've got really covering that, oh, that high 300s to the low 400s. They're running right across the board on those. Yeah. Price points aren't bad. They're they're not the cheapest crossbow. They're not the most expensive, uh, but you're getting a good quality product. So that's going to be interesting to watch how that filters into the market because these all should Three all should be out there by now. The sub one lights and the XRs, obviously, we have shot them a little bit. Uh, you know, they had them at ATA to shoot, and some of our factory guys and some of our TV guys have had them and played with them a little bit. They are all both, last I heard, are supposed to start shipping to the public this month. Okay. I haven't gotten an exact ship date. Honestly, I haven't asked. I've been busy with what I've got on my plate. So, you know what I mean? I haven't <laughs> been real concerned about it yet, but they are supposed to start shipping to the public this month. So it's just the sub one, the, the the new version of what you were shooting last year that's that's been out there. Right. And you have those now set up in this current model for, are you shooting with the archery, the target shooting yet? Has that started yet? Yeah. ASA has already had two events. IBO has had one national event. The first ASA event was in Foley, Alabama back in February. They start early because they're so southern based. And then we were just out last weekend, not this weekend, it's yesterday, but the weekend before. We were all down at Fort Benning, Georgia, right on the Alabama line for the second ASA shoot of the year. And we're all headed to Texas in about three weeks for the next one. Oh, where in Texas are you headed to? Paris, Texas. All right, I know where that's at. It's really cool. It's, it stinks. It's so god-awful far away. I mean, it's a 16-hour drive for me. And flying is just a pain in the butt with all our product, all our gear, and, and everything we need to bring and I need to have with me. It's a pain to fly, so I normally end up driving. But it's a really neat shoot. I mean, it's just a, a cool location. That I enjoy going to different parts of the country like that. It's it's a ball. I enjoy going to Texas. That whole area you're at, That well, I know you're going to be shooting for tournaments, but that's a great hog hunting area, too. I've been online looking. I'm off of work right now. I just had corporal tunnel surgery on both my wrists, so I won't be back to work before Texas. So I've actually been online looking to see if I can find somewhere to sneak in a day or two while I'm out there. The big thing I'm seeing a lot of, the arrows for years now have been getting thinner and thinner. They've been doing more and more with less as the carbon fiber has gotten better. Anything right. interesting coming up on the arrows for the crossbows? All crossbows are still shooting a 22 diameter, you know, a 22 diameter standard shaft. And that you really can't change on a conventional crossbow because groove that's cut into your barrel, your flight rail, is set so that the string sets on top of that and that's got to hit the center of your arrow. So if you were to go to either a smaller or a larger diameter arrow, your string would no longer push the center of your arrow. Um, there are a few crossbows out there now that don't have a rail like that and they, they shoot an actual rest and a, a free flow arrow they can shoot and actually do shoot full length arrow shafts and they can shoot different diameter arrows either a micro diameter or a large diameter um however both 
sanctioning bodies for competition-wise have gone out and said that a 23-64 arrow is as big as you're allowed to shoot out of a crossbow to eliminate those guys from having a, va- a big advantage. Okay, so they're, they're you know, that, literally mandating everything just so that it's as equal as can be. Right. The, the rules on both sanctioned bodies are, are pretty similar and things like that, just because, like I said, it's a very small percentage of crossbows that are, are what they call railless like that. But if those guys could go out there and shoot somebody's new giant large diameter full bore or, or large diameter arrow shafts, all you have to do is touch the next highest scoring line to get that score. So if they're shooting an arrow that's an eighth inch bigger than ours, it doesn't sound like much, but the way the scores are and as close as this is, that would be a huge advantage. No, that makes complete sense. That person, a little bit wider arrow or bigger arrow, gives them a yep. better shot of that one extra point or one-tenth of a point or whatever to put Absolutely. them over the top. Yeah, when it gets to the, the top level, I mean, we're using every little niche we can get. I mean, everybody, you know, the, the days of just shooting an, an out-of-the-box bow for the top-level pro guys are gone. I mean, we're shooting, they're factory bows, but I mean, they're we're shooting rifle scopes and HHA optimizers and tweaking and tuning it, you know, every little thing we can get. You know, they used to say for years that you can't tune a crossbow. Well, that's a load. You sure can. It's a regular bow. It's just turned sideways, you know, so we, we're all tuning and tweaking and I'm to the point now, I just ordered a decibel meter to be able to tune and experiment with tuning off of noise. The less, you know, noise is nothing but vibration coming off the bow. So the less noise you get coming off the bow, to a point, means the bow's performing more efficiently. It's transferring more energy from the bow and the arrow. So if, if tweaking a tune or advancing or, or turning back a cam or little things like that can make the bow quieter, it's a theory. You know, and then that's all it is right now for me is a theory. You know, then the bow's performing more efficiently. Huh. Inter- I'll be interested to hear how that how that plays out as you use sound to try and even even if it's just a little bit of an edge, you know, it's those little bits add up. Well, yeah, and like I said, it's at the, the you know the top guys, you know, the guys or those of us that are out there shooting for the big money, you know, it's a sixteenth of an inch could be all the difference in the world. You know, it could be the difference between cashing a five thousand dollar check and not cashing a check at all. Right, which is huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's for me. <laughs> oh yeah. So minus the tournament side, though, on the hunting side, I did see, and I don't know if this is necessarily new in this year, but I think it's new in the last couple of years, is some of the companies seem to be uh, taking their arrows and having a standard size at the rear of the arrow and then a standard size at the front of the arrow, but narrowing the center so that it gives that arrow a little more front of center weight, especially if you put a brass insert in there. I think this is more applicable. Well, it would play out both on bows and crossbows, but I, I could see where this could give you a big benefit with a crossbow is if you're like me and like to try to get that front of center as heavy as possible. It is. Um, and there's, I know Victory's made some for a couple of years now, and I can't remember the exact name of them, where it was actually a, a two-piece arrow with three bushings, a bushing in the front, you know, an external bushing in the front, one in the middle and one out back. And it was actually two separate pieces of carbon. Um, And there's different variations to that for increased penetration, you know, all sorts of different. Archery is the biggest tinkerers and experimental game I've ever been involved with throughout my life. I mean, if if there's a a concept out there, somebody's going to try and do something with it, you know, if it ever catches on, who knows? And there's been some phenomenal engineering developments and stuff, and some of them have never 
caught on just because of who comes up with them and who has the money to, to put it out there. You know, just look at your camouflage stuff. 90% of the guys you ask, if you ask them what kind of camouflage they wear, they're going to say one or two things, Mossy Oak or Realtree. I mean, they, they are. And it, and everybody tends to get very brand loyal. With There's been a ton of smaller manufacturers come out there that sometimes at better price points with just as good, if not better, camouflage that unfortunately are never really going to make a splash in the industry just because they don't have that millions of dollars of marketing to fight with the big dogs, you know, to get in there with Mossy Oak and Realtree because that's just what everybody knows. Right. And then there's the ones ones that make it in spite of the Mossy Oak and Realtree. And again, not that there's anything wrong with them, but the ones that specialize, like the guys that go up in the mountains. Yeah. You know, I always butcher the name, but is it Kui? Kui? They, something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure how to exactly pronounce it either, but yeah. That's huge with the the guys that do sheep hunting and and things of that nature i've looked at stuff from there's a brand called king's camo that's nice there's badlands camo i had some some king stuff a few years ago they got some really nice stuff they really do cryptic i mean you name it there's a uh, treasy you name it there's a pattern out there but you're right 90 percent, if not more are gonna you know they're gonna say mossy oak or realtree because those are the two big old timers but what always cracks me up is every time i hear people go off about well you've got to have this you know scent product and you gotta have this that and this i sit there and i'll go what about fred bear with his recurve wearing wool that he'd (laughs) been sitting around the campfire in for you know two weeks (laughs) there and I says, so I says, it's all about, you know, you got to have some skill there too. It's not all about, you, you can't abdicate everything to the equipment. You still have to, you still have to do a little bit of your own work. Well, and there, there is no magic cure. I mean, I've, I've said this for years and, you know, just talking to guys at shows or, or on hunting trips or doing seminars or anything. There is no all knowing, all solving answer. There is, you know, I mean, there is no magic solution. And some of this is no more than an educated guess and a whole lot of luck. You know, I mean, it really is, you know, especially bow hunting in the woods, whether you're, you know, crossbow hunting or vertical bow hunting. I mean, five yards doesn't sound like much, but it can make all the difference in the world. You know, if that 180 inch whitetail buck comes by you at 30 yards, that's great. But if there's a bush between you and him at 25 yards, he may as well not be there. I don't care what you did. It was just dumb luck. What side of that bush did that deer walk down? You know, we get guys all the time that they get wound up on trail cameras and trail cameras are great. I'm not going to lie to you. I've got South Carolina and Virginia and, and a couple of the other properties that I help manage. I've probably got 200 trail cameras in the woods across the East Coast right now. Wow. But I tell everybody else, you've got to remember that trail camera on the best is looking at a spot that's 30 yards long and five yards wide. Don't let that be the only scouting message you use. You still have to put boots on the ground you still have to know your, your terrain you still have to know what your animals are wanting to do because just because that buck isn't on that trail camera doesn't mean he didn't walk a foot past it just outside of the trigger beam yep or behind it yeah i mean it's you know they're a great tool absolutely and like i said we use them a ton especially in south carolina but you know you still have to physically scout you know no you don't want to do it during the season or close to season you want to keep your scent down but if, if you know that's a good area and you know you've got bucks on in the area just because you don't have a picture of them doesn't mean he's not there yeah exactly and i i just picked up two game cameras to try out and i set one of them at uh 720 you know for high def and the other at 1080 and they're i like ones that are a little bit simpler to set but then the one that was at 
1080 I set at uh, super sensitive and the one that was at 720 I set at lighter sensitive. Well, I made the mistake of not looking at the surroundings around them and I got absolutely no pictures of any animals on them. But I did get some stuff that was flapping in the distance about 30 yards ahead that was enough <laughs> to set off the camera where I went back. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure about this brand, so I left them out in some sun, rain, and then we happened to get some snow the other day, so I left them out in snow too. Went and checked them and I had no issues with them except that when they say extra sensitive or super sensitive setting it sure is leaves bro- <laughs> they're not kidding <laughs> leaves blowing across the ground we're setting this thing off to 10 second bursts of uh, a 10 second burst of video was coming back at about 2.2 gigs of data so it blew yeah. up a 32 meg chip real fast yeah i had one here on my property virginia and i mean i'm on the western edge of virginia and you know, we don't have a whole a real high deer den especially in my area and i put one out and i went to check it i had been out a week whatever it was and open the thing and open up the camera and hit the button and i looked and it was like 400 some odd pictures on there all right something's up well you could watch in the first couple of days it was out, it was a deer here, a turkey or whatever went by. And then I knew we'd had a good storm come through. And when the storm came through, it knocked a branch down about 15 yards in front of that camera. And for the whole rest of the time that thing was out there, that branch was just swinging. It did the exact same thing. I was, I had a thousand pictures of that branch. You know, it was just a- yeah, that's... That's always fun. Uh, you know, I, I've had similar things happen, and it's like, man, all they give me is a 32 gig for a max chip in this thing. They need a lot bigger. Yeah. So now I've never made it a secret with anybody. I'm a broadhead junkie, and that's that's my probably biggest downfall in which archery manufacturers have played right into on me is all these darn different broadheads. Did you see anything out at the ATA on the hunting side for broadheads? I actually did. I, did, I saw them at ATA, and I didn't get to talk to them. But while we were up at, at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, guy came up to our booth, and he starts talking to me. He knew who I was. And I didn't know who I mean, that's not uncommon, not that I'm well-known, but, I mean, I've been in that booth 10 days every year. You know what I mean? Um, talk to this guy, and going, he looks, this guy looks familiar, you know? And he starts questioning about what broadheads I shoot and this, that, and the other thing. And we're talking, and I said, well, I saw I shot swackers for a few years. I shot grave diggers for a couple of years. And, you know, it's bouncing back and forth. Turns out, and I'm going to murder this guy's last name, it was the son of the originator of Muzzy. Oh, okay. It was Joe Muschiata, or however I pronounce his last name. And he has released his own line. I guess the, the terms and everything are up from when they sold the company. And he's released a, a brand new uh, fixed blade broadhead that I've got here. I'm going to do some testing on it. I'm, I'm, hopefully everything plays out right. Oh, cool. And what, is he, what did he name the brand of these new ones? It's Muschiata Broadheads. And the name of the broadhead is the NBS 100. NB is in Bravo? Yep. NBS 100, and the name is M-U-S-A-H-I-A. And like I said, I've murdered that name for ages. <laughs> okay, so it's a cut-on-contact broadhead. It's a, a updated, tweaked version of the original Muzzy Fixed Blade broadheads. Got it, okay. The Muzzy Bad to the Bone. Yeah, it's a chisel tip, cut-on-contact, yep. uh, four-blade, 100-grain. So, yeah, it, it looks very similar to a muzzy and yeah. a three pack is $29.95 so it's about priced you know similar to what what they would run he he hit a quarter on on the website he's got a picture of shooting a quarter with it and it just yeah. devastated that quarter so I'm, I'm real anxious to play with them and and see how they fly and, and what they do you know i think
think he took a lot of the gimmick out of a broadhead. You know, it's got one purpose in life. It doesn't need to be flashy. It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to, be, it needs to cut a hole. That's what it needs to do. And it needs to fly straight. And, you know, so I'm really anxious to uh, to shoot a few of them here. And uh, hopefully, like I said, if everything goes right, I'll be down in Carolina next week. And uh, try and put one through your chest of a hog and see how it does. Yeah, I'd be curious to find out how that goes. Those are the type of broadhead using with my crossbow. Was uh, I had some friends that worked for Muzzy, so they. N- you know, they shot professionally for Muzzy, so they got just tons and tons of Muzzy broadheads. This was before they were sold. Yeah. And yeah. so I had bought mechanical broadheads when I first got a crossbow, not knowing what I was doing. You know, you look at these broadheads, they were expensive. So I, I think I ended up buying some cheap knockoffs and not the original and shot them. And they just basically did terrible. And after that, instead of in my mind saying, well, maybe if I stepped up to a more premium mechanical, that would be better. They just handed me some packages of these muzzies and said, shoot these. And I did that and then kind of morphed into uh, Magnus broadheads for a, quite a while. And those yep. were the two types of fixed blades I shot. With this year, I'm going to try a mechanical broadhead. I'm going to go back and try a mechanical broadhead for the first time in, I don't know, 10, 12 years. I mean, I grew up shooting Thunderhead. I shot Thunderheads for ages and ages and ages on my vertical bows. And then I think what I was shooting when I first started shooting crossbows, and then I got hooked up with Schwacker, uh, and I shot those for three or four years, and they did real well for me. And then when I got involved with Bloodsport and Barnett and everybody over there, that, that conglomerate, you know, that that, that giant corporation, they own uh, Gravedigger Broadhead. Oh, all right. So I shot those for a couple of years. And, and they're phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. I just, the company and I have parted ways and I don't agree with the way they've done some things. So, I mean, I, not that I have a problem with them and I've still got them on my bench. I mean, they still work, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I was in a position to, to try something else. Um, so when Joe came up and, and got to talking to me, I'm like, well, yeah, I'll try them. Let's, let's see what you'll do. Sure. So, so, and it's broadheads are one of those things and it's always stumped me because I, I can't comprehend it. I get it. We all want to save money. You know, none of us, or I should say very few of us, myself included, have extra money to throw at any of these toys. I mean, and that's what these all are. I mean, for most of us, these are toys. You know, we, we get to go out and play and have fun. And yeah, do we get to, you know, feed the family, quote unquote? Absolutely. But I mean, if, if you really figured it out, it's a heck of a lot cheaper to go to the grocery store and buy the fanciest pack of porterhouse steaks you ever found compared to what we spend every year to bow hunt. Oh, you big know, time. It, it's not a dollar, a well-spent dollar, if you really want to look at it practically. But guys will go out and they'll, spend, they'll buy a $1,000 bow and they'll buy $100 arrows and all this other stuff. And when it comes to the broadhead, the one thing that actually kills the deer, they want to cut corners and buy these these, these Chinese knockoffs and imitations. And they wonder why they have issues with them. Well, that's what actually kills the deer. <laughs> it's the broadhead. If it won't operate right, if the blades aren't sharp and it won't go in the same spot every time, what's the point? Exactly. You know, when you go out and rifle hunt, you can four or five hundred bucks on a an entry level three oh eight, thirty odd six, forty dollars, you know, for a good pack of ammo, and you're gonna be knocking down hogs. No problem. Yeah. So you have to sit there and go, okay, let's just say a dollar around for a thirty odd six or a three oh eight. I'm and again, just right. being real round numbers. So yeah. that that makes pork pretty uh pretty cost effective. Well, I can go out and spend two hundred and fifty and I, I did not realize that there are some very low-end crossbow manufacturers making some really good product that would more than suffice for hogs. So, but let's just say you spend five or six hundred bucks on a crossbow. Again, that's not mid-price right. point anymore. That's still a lower-end crossbow. And then, but every arrow you're flinging, and this holds true for archery or or crossbows, you got 
10 to 12 dollars for the arrow another five to ten bucks for the lighted knock another 10 to 12 dollars for a broadhead that you may or may not get back that's where guys start to say well where can i cut the money at where and my process was never i want the cheapest broadheads mine was like in my mind what's the better mousetrap right and so I've got a I've got a box a, a toolbox sitting here next to my desk filled with broadheads and once it warms up a little bit here I'm going to get some two by four and do my own simplified or not two by four but some uh, oriented strand board and do my own type of simple uh, broadhead test I picked up some Allen broadheads from Walmart just for fun I picked up some mechanical knockoffs off of eBay that I know aren't you know rage there but they're a knockoff of it and then right. I picked up some real rage and i'm expecting one of those two to explode and it probably won't be the one that's named rage <laughs> you know and so i've got some rocky mountain broadheads which are also part of the faradine family you know with the rage and the muzzy yep. and everything and they seem to be i'll tell you they seem to be a very very good broadhead at this point for the price yep. point yeah so i'm very pleased with what I've seen so far on just inspecting them compared to some other broadheads. So I, I really, I, I want to kind of get a video out there on the YouTube channel once I get it posted of, you know, is it better to overthink this thing too much or is it better just to get out there and have fun? Obviously the answer is get out there and have fun. Absolutely. You know, there's just so much you can do to overthink it. So now you and I talked earlier, I'd like to one day start to do some 3D shooting and I, we've got a range here close. And you were telling me about HHA sites and some different options. What's coming out with HHA? Anything interesting that we should be looking at? They released a new, a couple new sites on the vertical side this year, made some tweaks to some of the stuff they had out. The optimizer that we all use on our crossbows did not change for this year. Um, I've heard some rumors and that's all they are is rumors of possible tweaks to that for next year but right now it's it's the same as it has been and honestly i mean they ha i don't know what they could do to really tweak it i mean it's it's pretty well bulletproof it does what it's supposed to do the accuracy out of it is unimaginable by letting you run a, a higher quality optic and i think this will change a little bit over time but crossbows for ages, or you know, especially since the last ten years since their popularity has started growing, nobody makes a really good crossbows. They don't. They're they've gotten a little better. Hawk makes some decent stuff, and there's a couple companies out there make decent crossbow scopes. But I've always been an advocate of good optics. To make it real simple, you can't hit what you can't see, and you're going to hit what you can't see. You know, if you don't can't see that branch out there halfway between you and the deer, odds are your brother your arrow's going to hit it. I mean, it's just you know fate sometimes. I, I run a rifle scope on all of my cross just to be able. You can, they gather so much more light. You can see so much better. Yeah, we can only hunt. You know, there are set times when you can start hunting and have to stop hunting. But those last two or three minutes or those first two or, two or three minutes, the difference of what you can see and how well you can see out of a even a mid-grade rifle scope compared to a crossbow scope is huge. Not only can you see the deer that much better, but you can see a branch that's in front of that chest or it's not in front of that chest. Or, you know, can I make that shot or can I make that shot? Will you run the same type of magnification? Like I'm looking at a, I'm, a HHA has a scope and they've got a three by nine by 40 kit. Would you replace that with a three by nine by 40 rifle scope? The one that, which, which kit are you looking at? The one with the vortex crossfire on it? Yes. Yeah. That's actually one of the scopes I use. It's an excellent, it's not high-end glass, but dollar for dollar, the Vortex stuff is really hard to beat. They have an unconditional lifetime warranty. Something happens, you send it back, they send you a new one. If you buy a scope and sell it to me five years from now, it still has a warranty after I've bought it. It doesn't stop with the original owner. And they, they are good glass. 
like I said, especially for their price point. I mean, you can get for 300 bucks, you can get into a really good Vortex scope with a lot of features on it that any other company you'd be five to six hundred dollars in. So, when I look at this, that three by nine by 40 is that is a Vortex rifle scope that's just been put onto that it, speed dial. Absolutely, it's a Vortex crossfire tube, and I love the reticle. I, I shoot that reticle on all my scopes, it's what they call their fire bright reticle. Your crosshairs are going to come in and stop just before they get to the center and the center is a small dot and when you turn on the illumination the only thing that lights up is that little dot and that dot is going to be where your arrow oh i see okay i run that same reticle on my i run the vortex hog hunter on my backup bow which is the same glass it's that crossfire two glass it's just on a bigger tube and a bigger objective lens it's got a 56 millimeter lens on it just for gathering light that's what i run on my backup bow and last year thank you to a phenomenal sponsor and great friends with the guys at Collins Low Country Hunt Club hooked me up. I'm running a Schmidt and Bender European scope on my primary box. Oh, that's a big step up. Yeah, oh, that thing is unbelievable. I don't know whether it's great that I shoot it or horrible that I shoot it because when you look through anything else, you're like, well, this is junk. <laughs> it's like, I need to wash the windows on my truck. What, what is all? I mean, it, looking through that high-end glass is just phenomenal. What you can see, the target definition and clarity and how much light they gather, it's unreal. But I mean, that's, that's a $2,000 scope. Right, that's a big, big difference. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, my, my backup bow has the has the vortex on it, and the reticle is almost identical. If I didn't, if you couldn't tell the difference between the, in the glass quality, the reticle is, is you'd have to compare the two to figure out which one was which. And I really like it. It allows you to see, it allows you to center your target, but it doesn't block so much target that you're not precise in what you're aiming at. You run across a scope with a large, heavy crosshair in it. It doesn't seem like it, but it blocks up a lot of target. You know, so are you really aiming at the exact spots you want to hit or are you aiming an inch above it or an inch below it you know a lot of times does that make a difference no but could it absolutely for folks that are listening and might not be familiar with hha sports explain what that speed dial is it is to me the easiest way to increase accuracy across it's a, a plate that mounts you take your factory scope off your bow, you mount your HHA speed dial or optimizer, what they call that model, onto your crossbow. And then you can remount the factory scope. You know, if you don't want to spend all the money to buy an optimizer and glass at the same time, you can still run your factory scope on top of that or any scope you may have. But what it does is then you're going to sight your dial on the side. You turn it dial all the way down. You're going to sight your crossbow in at 20 yards by adjusting your scope. There's numbers on that dial. They'll give you a little chart and you look at the approximate speed of your bow and it'll tell you roughly what number to go to so you can get close but you work your way back and go back to shoot from 60 yards now you don't adjust your scope anymore now you adjust that dial until you're hitting exactly where you want to at 60 yards you can look down at that dial and we'll say it has a number 20 just for an easy number well then you go to a little packet of, of tapes they give you adhesive tapes and you take the number 20 tape off and you adhere it to that dial and now it has yardage marks on it and whatever distance you want to shoot dial that scope that dial into that exact number and your crossbow is exactly sighted in at that this be at 20 yards be at 80 yards 27 yards 46 yards you dial it in and that's exactly where this dot of your crossbow 
scope goes is where your arrow is going to. Gap shooting is very hard to, to be accurate. You know, when you're going to run a, a factory scope with, with lines, it will say 20, 30, 40, and 50 yards. You know, to shoot, let's say it's a 45-yard shot, it's real easy to aim a little high or a little low if you're trying to gap between those two crosshairs. And it's instinct. You hear a lot of guys say, oh, well, my bow's flat out to 40 yards. No, it's not. There's not a bow on this planet that's flat out to 40 yards. There's not a bow on this planet that's flat out to 30. They all have an arch to them. What guys do, Promise of how it works. Right. Well, exactly. And what guys do that, that shoot that thing, you know, they, well, I just hold, you know, I just use my top crosshair. And they adjust. And you'll aim a little higher or a little low depending on your yard. And that's very doable and it, it works for a lot of people. As a guide and an outfitter, I can tell you a lot of guys are going to miss or lose animals because of that. Because for ages and ages, since we were little kids shooting BB guns and the first time you were shot anything with a scope, it's embedded into your head. Put the crosshairs where you want your bullet or your arrow to hit the way it is. So in the heat of the moment when you're excited and there's that deer out there at 37 yards and you're supposed to aim six or eight inches high with your pin because you only have, you know, you're only slided in for that to, to compensate like that. A lot of guys are out of instinct going to hold dead on and shoot low just from human nature from, you know, we what we've always been taught. You put the crosshair where you want your arrow, where you want your projectile to hit. Oh yeah. I did that in the heat of a nervousness with a black bear and the, the third and final arrow I had you know, I was aiming through the center of the crossbow at her, and unfortunately, I just didn't take into account that she was only 20 yards from me and not 30 yards from me, and that arrow just sailed way over and was gone. Yeah, you know, it's very easy to do. You know, can it be done that way by, you know, estimating and compensating? Absolutely, it can, but it, it's real easy to make a mistake. Like I said, that you all of a sudden, oh my gosh, that's the biggest buck I've ever seen, you know, and your heart's going to start beating and you start getting super excited like we all do. It's real easy to make that mistake. You know, when you can reach down to that HHA optimizer and just add yours at 37 yards and turn that little knob to 37 and hold that crossbow dot exactly where you want that arrow to go, that's where it's going to go. Yeah, that's pretty. So, all you really need to do when you're scope shopping is find a scope with a center crosshairs that you like. Absolutely. It doesn't need any other crosshairs, any other marks. Uh, I happened to be looking at something the other day, a crossbow, and the comment out of the person's mouth as I picked it up to look through it was, all those other hashtags in the scope drive me nuts. And when I picked it up and looked through it, I was like, oh, it had scope rings going out to 70 yards. Yeah. And so by the time those got out so far, they were so close together, it it made your scope a mess. Yeah. And I mean, and some of the companies are even now, and I, I get it. I get the content behind it. I personally don't like it. They'll even off the side of the crosshairs right the distance. They'll write 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70. And I mean, to me, that's just, I don't want all that in my sight picture. I want a clean, I want to see as much between me and that target, whatever it may be, be it a tournament target or a deer or a hog or a bear or whatever. I'm hunting. I want to see as much real as I can. I don't want anything else in there. I only need to worry about one little spot. Yeah, you don't need so to me. That's all that junk. I, I just don't like that extra clutter, and that's that's the term I use is clutter yeah. for me. Nice way to yeah. say and it. Everybody's different, and, and opinions are like something else. We all have one. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that I'm right, somebody else is wrong, or anything else. But it's just well, and for people that are vertical bow shooters, uh, HHA is the same thing, and where they've only got one mark in the bow site but you just dial in your distance or a close approximation i mean obviously if that animal's at 30 yards and they're like hogs you better get that thing dialed in and picked up quick because you're not going to have all that long to hold you're going to have to do a little bit of approximation but still it's better than trying to say well it's 
between 25 and 35, so I'll aim dead center, and I think I'm going to get him. Right, and what, what a lot of guys do, and I've done in the past, I've set up a conventional crossbow scope, um, like the new missions all come with a hawk scope, which for a crossbow scope is about as good of an optic as you're going to get. You can mount one of those on top of your HHA, and then what you can do is, if you've got the time, dial your HHA knob, and you use your top crosshair at whatever distance it may be. If you don't have the time, if it's one of them, oh my gosh, how did that deer get there? Where did he come from? And he's going to leave in two seconds. I don't have time to do anything but shoot. As long as you leave your HHA set for 20 yards, now all your lines in your crossbow scope still work. So now you still have a 20, a 30, a 40, and a 50 yard crosshair. So if you have to make that split second shot, you should shoot it set on 20, and there you go. Now your other lines are all still good. Yeah, and it's, it gives you a Picatinny rail, so you can yep. add any any mount, you know, as far as any scope with rings should fit on there without any problem at all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter whether, you know, like you said, they have packages where it comes with the scope and they have packages where it comes without, which is great. You know, it, it's not a cheap part. I mean, they're, they run about 200 bucks. So this way, instead of having to spend, you know, three or 400 to get a, the, your optimizer and a new scope and everything else, it lets the guy say, all right, I'm, I'm going to upgrade it a little bit now. And six months from now, when I stash back a little bit more money from mama, I'll go out and I'll buy me a scope. The new scope, correct. Right. Yeah. And I think in that, you know, obviously for anybody listening, if you're, if you're not diehard this year, I put in and went to a lot of these companies and signed up in October to see what happened with their Black Friday sales. If you right. can save some money up and you really are truly on that big of a, you know, where you, every dime, everybody's dimes count, but if you're just dying for something and you can wait, man, the Black Friday sales that I saw come across for some of this gear was, but it was one day only or two hours only, or, you know, it was very limited. Right. And so, yeah. you know, if that's it, save it up. If, if it's not and you're really looking for something important to help with your crossbow shooting, I think this optimizer's probably, you know, quit spending on the broadheads, get a good broadhead, and then invest the money into something like this, which is nice that it's portable from one crossbow to another. Yeah, if you upgrade your bow, exactly like you said, if you upgrade your bow, you know, six months or a year or two years later, you pull that same optimizer off and stick it on your next bow. I mean, I've got one that are four or five years old. I mean, they're... they're they, you know, they work. They're, they're tough. And I mean, what, what we put them through competition shooting with them is a thousand times more than the average crossbow shooter is ever going to be to them. I mean, last year I put over 9,000 miles just riding in the back of my truck on my bows and countless thousands of shots. If it'll hold up to that, it'll hold up to Joe Bowhunter, you know, going down a road to hunt a couple days and a couple hundred arrows during the season. Well, that's what I was going to say is you shoot more arrows in a weekend than, than most guys shoot their whole season. So, oh, absolutely. You know, one per purchase of the optimizer for somebody like myself should last me for quite a long time unless I, you know, drop it and break it. And and they have a lifetime warranty on them too. Oh, even better. If something does happen, they back them up. I mean, it's a family owned company. The father started, two sons run it now. And I mean, they're great guys to deal with. Everybody at the factory I've ever talked to on the phone or or met at the shows or stuff. I mean, they're just, they're they're bow hunters. You know, they, they make what they make. They don't make it flashy or over gimmick it or bells and whistles just to sell you the new model next year year you know it is what it is it does what it's supposed to do no there's definitely no bells and whistles on this optimizer it strictly does what it's supposed to do which is allow you to dial in your sight yeah and you don't need anything fancy very solid i mean they're just it's one of the few things i mean across the general and i don't care who you shoot i mean i know mission does a 
want me to say this, but they are all hankers. The amount of, of draw weight on these things to get the speed out of them and the cams on them in the short power stroke that a crossbow has, they are all, you're going to have, you shoot a lot, you're going to have an issue with anybody's crossbow at some point in time. They are right to the ragged edge of, of what the materials will hold up for, you know, because everybody wants more speed and they want them lighter and everything else. But uh, your optimizer is one of those things that I've never had one fail, ever. Yeah, it, it should hold up quite well. So, well, let's see. So we've covered the, the tournament shooting. You've got a number of shoots already started under your belt. You know, last year you had me talk with the gentleman that was down in the Bahamas. Did you happen to make that shot uh, shoot? I didn't. We really wanted to go, and the schedule got tight. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of guys on the crossbow side. There were actually there was only two of us that were talking about going. Um, and it just scheduling wise, it got to be too much. We just just couldn't couldn't make it commit to it. So we kind of changed gears. Not quite the last minute, but fairly last minute. We went and did a family trip to the beach for a few days, and then took my stepdaughter down to Collins Low Country and let her kill her first rat's buck. Oh, nice, nice. Yep. And I don't, I don't want to let you off of here without talking about Collins and for folks that didn't listen last time you really got to hear about this place if you if you're anywhere anywhere in the United States or the world for that matter but if you're anywhere east of the Mississippi especially as you push closer to South Carolina you you can't beat Collins Low Country Hunt Club and tell the folks a little bit about what you guys offer we offer what I feel and I mean obviously I'm prejudiced I mean I, I work for the company is about the best return on your dollar for an, an out-of-state hunting trip you can get we run three different hunts we do a deer hunt a hog hunt, a turkey hunt. All your meals and lodging are included. You come in, you stay in our brand new 5,000 square foot lodge that we built three years ago, solely for hunting. And we are a very family-based unit. I mean, we our favorite thing in the world is for new hunters and kids to come hunt with us. We get more of a thrill out of that than anything else. But I mean, our, our hog hunts are 1095. It's four nights of meals and lodging, three full days of hunting. You know, that's six hogs on that hunt. Yeah, that's crazy. Hunt, 1295. I mean, it's, it's just, a, and I mean, we run our hog hunts every year on 90 to 90 five percent up our deer hunts are probably about 80 percent opportunity i mean it's the odds of coming down and hunting with us for three days and not at least having a chance to shoot something are very very slim you know i mean it's it's south carolina i'm not gonna lie to you you're not gonna the odds of shooting a 150 class white inch whitetail are, are slim we killed our best whitetail ever last year at 157 and three eighths i think and he was an absolute stud you know south carolina isn't known for monster deer but we're known for a lot we've got one of the longest seasons in the country we open August 15th and hunt till January 1st. Weapon of choice the entire season. Our hog hunts are year-round. And um, if somebody comes out and does a, a deer hunt with you, how many bucks can they take? You're allowed, as a non-resident, you're allowed three bucks on that three-day hunt. That's three bucks or three does or a combination or just three bucks? You're allowed, if you hunt our deer, our doe season, we're not allowed to kill does before September 15th. Oh, okay. So if, if you hunt after September 15th, you're allowed three bucks and a doe. Our first buck is what we call buck of choice, and it could be anything from a five-inch spike up to a 12-inch wide, year-and-a-half-old basket rack buck. If you're not interested in shooting that small buck, we'll let you trade that buck out for a second doe. So then you can still shoot two bucks over 12 inches wide, two-and-a-half-year-old buck or better, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and two does. So, I mean, you're going home with me. Which is unheard of for, you know, $1,300, $1,400 for a hunt. Yeah. Um, you know, the average person gains over five pounds on our three-day hunts. <laughs> we've, we've got a cook, Miss Geneva, and she keeps talking about wanting to retire in a couple of years, and we just yell at her and tell her to quit talking like that because, I mean, I don't know what we'll do. And how many turkeys can they take? You're allowed three turkeys on, on a spring gobbler hunt, three long beards. That's fully guided one-on-one every morning. And then in the afternoons, you've got your choice. I mean, we'll bring you out and put you on a food plot or something where to 
the birds are coming through before they go to roost. Or there's one hog included on that hunt also. So we'll bring you out and put you on a hog stand let's shoot hog. And if I want to buy more hogs, I can do that? Yep, 50 bucks a pop. Oh, so you, you can't beat that. No, and we do the same thing on our deer hunts. If you're on a deer hunt, we don't charge. Everybody asks for lots of guys, especially who aren't from the South, they ask about doing a combo, a hog and a deer hunt together, and we absolutely do that. We do it different than most guys. We don't charge you extra just to say you can shoot a hog. If you shoot one, it's 50 bucks. If you don't shoot him or just don't see him or don't take, or just take pictures or whatever, there's no extra fee. We don't, we don't like charging extra just to say you can do something. If you shoot a hog, it's 50 bucks. And with that, Collins is not just some small, you know, high fence place. Matter of fact, I don't think there's a high fence anywhere around. Is there except maybe the backyard of the property? We don't have any fence. Um, there are some high fence operations in South Carolina, not too awful far from us, but I mean, we don't have, all of our stuff is 100% free range. There's no fences and no trophies. And how many acres are you roughly all all tracking? We're up to about 9,200 acres right now. So, trust me, there's plenty of room. If there's 10 guys in camp, that means you still got about 1,000 acres per guy, per person. Oh, yeah. And we, we're, it's, I don't know, it's double-sided in a way. In a way, it would be nice if it was one giant lot of land. I mean, for us to manage it, that would be ideal. However, to hunt it, it's better that it's not one giant large piece of land. So when if you came down with two or three buddies and you deer hunt this week, you're not going to be in a stand that I just hunted yesterday. We'll, we'll move and change properties so we're not over-pressuring one, one piece of land or one group of deer or hogs the same way. You know, if you had one continuous piece of property, it's hard to get in there just in vehicle traffic. You know, deer start to figure out what that big black suburban that comes rolling in there means. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a guy with a pointy stick trying to hurt me, you know? So by splitting the prop by where the properties aren't all one giant piece, we'll hunt one piece for a few days, and then we'll go and we'll hunt another piece, and we'll hunt another piece, and we'll hunt another piece. And, just, you know, the less, less pressure we can put on the deer, the better off they are. We are, not them particularly. Yeah, all the way around, I, I think, you know, you've and anybody wants to go out to CollinsLowCountryHuntClub.com, and I'll have a link in the show notes. Go to the photo gallery section. My encouragement is to go there first and then start to take a look at some of the trail camera pictures of some of the deer. They're, they're probably a fairly good representation of what you're seeing and what you're likely to see. Well, and we do something a little different than most outfitters do also. We're, we're very active on Facebook, and we post pictures of everything. If you come down and hunt with us and shoot a six-inch spike, your picture's going to go on our Facebook page. If you come down and shoot a 130-inch eight-point, your picture's going to go on our Facebook page. If you shoot a 30-pound hog, your picture's going to go on our Facebook page. We don't, you know, we've, we've been in business 18 years now, and we do two shows. Other than that, we don't advertise. We run 80 to 85% repeat clientele every year because we're straightforward. We, we tell you and show you what you can expect. You know, could I sit here and tell guys, hey, come on down, we're going to shoot some 150s. I can tell you that, but the odds of it happening are one in a million, you know, or I can tell you, hey, come on down. You're going to see deer probably every time you go to the woods and a decent chance at a, at a decent buck. You know, I'd much rather tell the guy the straight up truth. Oh, you know, yeah. We get guys at the shows all the time, and it's an old school tactic. I've done it. Um, you get three or four buddies that are all thinking about coming on a hunt, and we've been doing this for a long time, so we know the game. And if you, you get to a point where, you know, we learn the crowd, you watch people, and, you, you know, you, it's what we do. It's what we, you know, what I get paid to do is, is figure out how to market and work with people. And if you can watch, a lot of times these groups of guys will send each person up one at a time to the booth to ask you questions. And we'll talk to them and to answer all the questions. Okay, and they'll leave. 20 or 30 minutes later, 
there's another guy at a group come over and he'll, ask, and he'll normally pick a different person working at the booth and they'll all ask the same basic question and then a little while later the whole group will come up to us and they'll be like you know you guys are the only outfitter that three different people gave three different of our guys all the same answers to the same question well when I'm not feeding you a lot of crap it's pretty easy <laughs> when I can tell you what we really do and what to really expect and, and the truth it's not too hard to get everybody the same answer exactly you know if you tell the truth you don't have to remember what you were saying yeah the truth is easy to remember because you actually did it <laughs> yep so well between collins low country hunt club the tournament shooting you know your own your own hunting and then work you're a busy guy yeah you could say that it's uh it gets a little crazy at times but i mean i love it, it all of this is definitely a labor of love you know, I mean, you, the exception a handful of people, you know, people don't get rich doing what we do or what I do. You know, it's you do it because you love it and enjoy it and, and want to help other people and get new hunters recruited, so to speak, you know, to start enjoying the outdoors um, is why we do it or why I do it. Well, and I appreciate your time. Just so anybody listening, I'm going to have a link to the Try and Howard Outdoors uh, Facebook page so anybody that wants to contact you, Matt, can. I'll have links to Missions webpage, HHA webpage, uh, Collins Local country hunt club and uh you know so that they can go in and then i'll link the two shooting organizations the ibo and asa i'll have links to those as well so anybody wants to see the um tournament schedules they can they can review those and look best is usually to start off with your local archery club and then try to move uh they can provide you what's shooting and what's going on and how they're linked in and get you on the scoreboard for starting to shoot to possibly qualify for some of these national tournaments so i want to add two two quick things on the asa side sure um one the asa did something really neat this year we worked really hard to get them to do they split the class crossbow class has been growing i mean our numbers are still small but it has been growing substantially every year a few years ago we were lucky to get we were thrilled if we hit 10 shooters all right this year we're averaging 35 wow that is pretty good growth yeah now what the asa did was last year was when it really started to jump numbers really started to come up um and part of that was, was a couple of the manufacturers put some contingency money out there and, and made it financially worthwhile doing but what happened is you know, they're trying to get it to grow, and we get guys that show up to one or two shoots, and they're just Joe Bowhunter, where we all started. And they were out there competing against guys like myself that do this professionally. And they were getting, I mean, it's, it's pretty demoralizing and not a whole lot of fun to go out there and get beat by 50 and 60 points. <laughs> so what the ASA did this year is they split the class. There's an amateur class, which is a 40-yard max, all-known distance. And then there's a semi-pro class with a 45-yard max. And that's where we all, I mean, we all went voluntarily. But that's where everybody that does this seriously and professionally is in the semi-pro class. So that opened up this amateur or entry-level class for guys to go and actually have a chance and realistically be competitive. You know, I mean, are there one or two guys in the country that I'm sure could go out there and beat all of us that never have? Absolutely. But there's, I'm sure there's only a couple people that would do that. But this gives everybody a realistic place to get started and, and to enjoy the sport, still be around all the guys, but not just get stomped on. Oh, that's good. Um, so... And, Gives them a place to learn and get started. Exactly. They get some tournament experience. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a different game. You know, most people don't shoot crossbows standing up. 99% of the people shoot them off a bench or off a rest of some sort. Competitive shooting is all freehand. It's 100% stand up and shoot. Uh, you know, so that that's a, a something a lot of people don't do. And it's a lot harder than it looks. 
Oh, it is. It's it's much, much harder than it looks. And especially, it's not hard for one or two arrows. It's hard for 15 or 20 arrows. Yeah. And I mean, especially on the ASA side, where it's no distance, you know, with the equipment that's out there and, and those of us that do this seriously, I mean, we're shooting at that 12 ring every shot. At 45 yards, quartered away through the brush, we're aiming at that one inch 12 ring. And some of the guys are hitting it more often than not. So, I mean, that's trying to hit a one-inch dot at 40 or 45 yards freehand across. Yeah, that's huge. As you said, that's, you know, that's a, just a one-inch dot. It's just a little tiny circle the size of a quarter. Yeah. So, you know, I can't imagine whacking that at 45 yards or so freehand. I, It's not even a shot I'd be comfortable taking. No. I've started telling, where we started doing some seminars last year, and all this long-distance crossbow stuff has blown up with some of these companies not only promoting what the bows are capable of at 80 and 100 yards, but almost promoting hunting at that kind of distance. And do I target shoot at 80 and 100 yards? Absolutely. Do I hunt at that distance? No, I do not. Um, they're not a 100-yard killing machine. It's an arrow. But what I tell guys is do yourself a favor. You want to see how far you can really shoot in the woods, get your crossbow out, go ahead and cock it, get it all set up, then put on your hunting boots and all your clothes and all your gear, and go out and jog up and down the driveway half a dozen or a dozen times, or once or twice around the block. Get your heart rate up, get your breathing rate up. It's going to be real similar to how you're going to feel when you're shooting a deer. Now pick your crossbow up and see how well you shoot at 60, 80, 100 yards. Oh, to yeah. me, that's the closest way I've come to to test of what your what your realistic max distance should be because everybody's numbers are going to go way down, myself included. Well, and for that many people in the thick woods of the eastern United States, for the most part, you're not going to have that many places that you could shoot 80 to 100 yards no. with an arrow. Realistically, there just isn't that many places. Is no. it? And fun? even where you can, I mean, you know, if I put you on a bean field in South Carolina, I mean, there's spots we could shoot, you know, five and six hundred yards. But I mean. I literally shoot with the best in the world. They're some of my closest friends. We all compete together, and I mean, we are the best at what we do. And we don't shoot deer at 80 to 100 yards. And we shoot a thousand times more than anybody, than the average person. There's a reason, even with what we do, we don't shoot deer at that kind of distance. And I think that's a big fallacy that is out there is, you know, do you, if you want to put a bag target out there at 80 to 100 yards and shoot at that bag target with a crossbow, I'm all for it. Have fun. You know, just realize the angle you're going to have to raise up and, and have at it and, and enjoy it. That's the fun part of having the crossbow. At 100 yards, a 400-grain arrow shooting 400 feet a second is over 92 inches of drop. That's how much arch is in that arrow. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but that's how much distance, how far that arrow actually arches to the air at 100 yards. Yeah, so that's what, six six feet, six and a half feet, seven feet, somewhere seven feet-ish? So, and at almost eight feet. Yeah, almost eight. So you're going to be, yeah. you know, whatever that bag is, you're going to have to aim at like there was five bags stacked on top of of it and then you'll hit right. hit the bottom so uh, that's why i said have fun with it you know if you have some older ratty arrows that are safe to shoot use those because you know you might be skidding off gravel rocks pavement whatever if you miss the bag so you don't want to use your good expensive hunting arrows but for hunting and i know there's guys out west out west is a different animal there's guys that shoot their bows 60 70 80 yards they practice yeah. at 100 yards but there's one guy like that for every you know couple hundred bow hunters at best right 
keep it, figure out you got 30 yards, maybe 35 is what I've always tried to advocate as a, a safe, reasonable number inside that distance, you know, get a drop. You know, there's plenty of good calculators on the websites, on the internet for showing what drop is on a arrow, depending on weight and speed of your crossbow and realize what you're going to have to shoot. Yeah. And it does, I mean, I am an advocate of practicing at longer distance, just for the confidence level. When you practice it, we'll just say 60 yards. If you practice it at a 60 yard target, when that deer steps in front of you at 21 yards, your confidence is astronomical. And it's still archery. It's a very mental, is a very large part of what we do. I mean, when you just, when there's no doubt in your mind, you know, if you think you're going to miss, guess what? You're going to miss. If you doubt yourself before you squeeze that trigger, don't squeeze the trigger. Right. But when you can practice at 50, 60 yards, and now you get that hunting shot at 20, 22 yards, and there's no, your confidence level and your mental outlook on the whole thing is phenomenal. You know, you, you know, you know, I got this. This is cake. I've done this a hundred times. Yeah, I saw, and this is one of the vertical bow shooters, is Cameron Haynes. Most people are very familiar yeah. with him. This guy's an oddity. He's an he's a animal of a... He's a freak just, of nature. You know, <laughs> he's just, but he's so disciplined. I was watching yeah. this guy shooting his bow at 100 yards, and I was yeah. just blown away. And he, it wasn't that he would, you know, 100 yards, not only do you have the arc, but you have the wind drift to deal with. He was just spot on nailing this target that were, in essence, kill shots at 100 yards. And then he was talking about, look, I don't advocate that everybody shoot at this distance. I do so that when that 80-yard shot comes along, mentally, I know, oh, this is 80 yards. I got this, no problem. And, I mean, Cameron is probably in better shape than 99% of the country. I mean, he's, <laughs> exactly. even when he's on the road, when he's at ATA and stuff like that, he's working out and going to the gym and, and running and stuff every day. They'll post stuff where you can go meet him at the gym and, and work out with him. I mean, I can't. <laughs> What's this guy run a marathon a day or something crazy like that? I mean, oh, it's, it's insane. I mean, he, he literally is. And I'm not saying it's to be me, but he's almost a freak of nature. I mean, he's just, he is that disciplined in everything he does. He's shooting the, the fitness, the health. I mean, he's just, and it all comes into play. And that's where, you know, for the average person out there, if, if you can't do it that way with that level of discipline, then you don't take the hundred yard shots is my opinion. Absolutely. But you find out what your level of discipline is. If your level of discipline is that you can consistently shoot at 50 yards and you're a you're a beast at 50 yards then you know anything that comes at you from two yards to 50 yards is mentally you're gonna you know you're gonna take care of it and you don't get that doubt you don't nothing comes into play except putting that arrow right where it needs to go right and and know your equipment i can't stress that enough if you're gonna hunt even let's say a a 45 yard max all right that's my that's somebody's cutoff number i'm not gonna shoot a deer at 45 yards past 45 yards one stick to that don't be tempted. Nothing burns my butt more. And these guys say, well, it was a big buck, so I figured I'd try. So you respect the big buck less than you do a doe. You're not going to shoot at this deer, but you shoot at that deer. To me, that's not ethical or the right way to go about it, but that's just me. But I want to know what my arrow is doing at any given distance. Before hunting season, I'll set my bags up and I'll normally do like five yarding and I'll aim at a 25 yard target with my 30 yard dot. And I want to know exactly how high and or how low, because I'll do it going both ways, my arrow is at any given distance. So when that deer steps in front of me at 30 yards and he's standing there 
broadside eating acorns, and I look and go, oh, man, there's a bush in front of his chest. Well, then I look again because I was shooting a decent scope or decent binoculars and go, wow, okay, there's a bush in front of his chest, but that bush is five yards closer than that deer. So I can still aim at the center of that deer's chest where I want to hit, and at 25 yards, my arrow's going to go over top of that bush and drop in right behind. That's one of the big things that your optics will play in. It'll let you see that. You know, to know, you know, hey, I do have a shot here. I know at first it doesn't look it, but I do, or I don't, or no, that deer is right behind that bush, and I can't get an arrow through it. Yeah, and there's a website I, now most folks probably know about it. I have had not been familiar with it, and I have no affiliation with it. It's called bestcrossbowsource.com, and when you go under their Crossbow Academy, they have a crossbow ballistics section, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but not only do they test out some of the more popular crossbows on the market from the low end to the high end, but they put a calculator out there, and for example, if I put in that my Excalibur is at 305, and my total arrow weight is, let's say, 450 grains, and I hit calculate ballistics, at 40 yards, I've got 32 inches of drop. Right. That's that's a lot to accommodate for. Now, yes, I'm going to have the hashtags that, or the hash lines, I should say, that should accommodate for that, but that's still, if anybody's thinking they're not doing an arc, you're nuts. So, at 40 yards... Well, and that's where, where the new hunters especially don't think or don't realize, and it's not their fault. I mean, you're new. I mean, we all were. But not only do you, it's not like a gun where, all right, I just need a clear line between me and that deer. I need a clear line between me and that deer, but I also need a clear line three or four feet above that deer for my arrow to fly through because it's not going straight. It's going to be three feet above the deer before it drops into his chest. Exactly. So, and on top of that, with a crossbow, we all know, you know, there's all sorts of old adages about who uses crossbows and who doesn't, and that's really of no relevance. But when you get into this, the one thing that we can't be beat at this point with a crossbow is the speed of sound and so at 40 yards with a 32 inch drop shooting at 305 feet per second that deer is going to know something went twang real loud and he or she's going to be looking around if they haven't already ducked so then you have to take into account where you went from maybe maybe you hit them to maybe you hit them very high where you didn't want to hit them or the arrow just went right over top of them yeah and even if i up that and said well i'm shooting the newest crossbow at 400 feet per second you know and i go out and i'm still shooting the the same ballistics at 40 yards i still got 18 inches of drop well here's i had just written up from one of the last seminar we did feet of sound is 1126 feet a second so it takes that sound 0.26 seconds to get to a deer at 100 yards. Even at 400 feet a second, it takes your arrow 0.75 seconds to get to that deer at 100 yards. And a deer can drop the width of its body in a tenth of a second. So there's still over half a second of variable there. Right, which I mean, it's just, it's, is exactly why I'm an advocate for I want that deer 20 yards or less. To me, my thing has always been, and I mean, I've got good friends, Bobby Hart, a Hart Custom Rifles, a good friend of ours, and he builds some of the probably best long-range rifles in world um i put one of bobby's 30 hearts up against anything on the planet but to me and it's just me everybody's different and no one person is right or wrong i've always said and it almost sounds cruel but i don't mean it that way i want to see an animal blink before i shoot that's the the challenge or the thrill to me is i got that close okay i won this game of chess whether i squeeze the trigger or don't is completely irrelevant it's just okay i won the ball was in my court whether i decided to shoot 
that deer I didn't, or hot, or whatever it is. But that's my thrill. That's what gets my heart racing is is to get them in at that kind of distance. And like I said, that that's what lights my fire. You know, is, is just that that close and that I beat his senses. I beat him at his game in his living room. Okay, now whatever happens happens. But I, I I've already won. Right, and I think you know you you take since you're shooting for Mission, which is owned by Matthews. Yep. If you take a one of these brand new Matthews bows, you can make those things not silent, but I think you can make them a heck of a lot quieter than a crossbow. Oh, absolutely. So that person, that man or woman that's shooting a vertical Matthews bow at 30 or 40 yards, 50 yards or 60 yards if they're out west or just have the ability to shoot longer distance or even 70 yards, that sound is going to be going to be uh, negligible compared to that thunk of a crossbow. There just isn't an effective way to reduce the the limb you can dampen it to a bit but there's no way to eliminate or uh, limit it down to what you can on a on a vertical bow it's just not as far as i'm aware there's just not that options no, out there not, yet they're, they're not gonna be that quiet i added a whole matthews line my favorite bow is the new traverse they came out with this year i like that a little better than a vertex um it just size wise and everything it fits me i really wish i didn't have all the nerve issues in my arms because otherwise i'd be building another one to play with but i could take one of those traverses and build that and set that up for an average bow hunter that if you were in a tree 60 yards away you would never know they shot i'll guarantee you you would never know they shot if you could see them shoot you could take the quietest crossbow in the world and i would have to say that new sub one light is going to be right there if not the quietest one out there and at 60 yards you're going to know i shot and that's human ears Yep. You know, it's just they're, they're they're quiet. They're a lot quieter than they used to be. And they used to sound like a twenty two Magnum going off 10 or 15 years ago. Oh, I can remember my first Horton. That was like a, a oh, yeah. big, you know, just a big bang when those limbs would smack from flinging yeah. that arrow. We had a guy with us last weekend at Fort Benning shooting one of the new X-Cows. And even those are a lot quieter than they used to be, but they're still a lot a lot louder than most of the compound ones are. And every time he'd shoot, he was in a group right next to us. Me and one of the other guys go, God, Got me again. <laughs> Every time this thing go off, you jerk head over there and look. Yeah, there's no denying it. And I also have a Wicked Ridge. Yeah. I've got the Invader G3 and a nice crossbow. It's not as loud as my Excalibur, but it's still loud enough. Now, again, none of my crossbows, I've never done any string dampening, anything to them. I've never right. tried to put like a Flemish string on the Excalibur or put any of the, the anything on. So I, I shoot them all just stock and and that's just kind of what it is. But yeah, they're noisy. You're going to get one shot. It's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to cock the thing and get another shot off on an animal. And if that animal does stay around, does let you cock the crossbow, and does let you shoot again, well, that was just Darwinism. That animal was meant not to last very long. I was going to say, because I want to hunt where you are then, because you got some dumb critters. (laughs) Exactly. Most everything else is going to be about a county over by the time you're done. Yeah, and even if by some grace of God they do manage to come back 20 or 30 minutes later, son, they are wired for sound. Yes. They are on full alert. They know something bad just about happened. They don't know what, but they know something was really, really wrong. Yeah, if you have a hog down and... Now, hogs can hogs can be a little bit different. You know, the them older ones will send those younger ones in. Oh yeah, those younger ones will kind of get stupid and happy, and they'll, they're too young to understand what that arrow is. They just see a hog laying there to them sleeping. Yeah. Hey Bob, get up. Yep. <laughs> but them older ones will work in. They'll they'll come in behind, or they'll one will circle around, and they'll they're trying to play that wind and figure out what was going on. And at that point, it's unreal. I mean, they're they're excellent. 
a, a sow pig is an excellent mother. I mean, they are very protective. I mean, that's one of the most dangerous things as an outfitter we have to deal with is, is either a wounded sow or getting between a sow and, and piglets. But at the same time, exactly like you said, if, if there's a group of pigs, the first ones coming into that feed are going to be the little ones. They're sending Junior in first to make sure everything's all right. Yep, and if Junior gets caught in a trap and you let him go, Junior won't. The likelihoods of Junior ever getting caught in a trap again are slim to none. Oh yeah, a hawk's smarter than a dog. I mean, if they bust you once, it's one of the reasons we've got. We won't run more than we normally cut it off at about ten hog hunters at any one time at Collins. I mean, we can house a lot more and we have a lot more land. But if, if by keeping our numbers down, I can run each hunter on a fresh stand every time we go to the woods if I need. Because if them hogs bust you on this stand this afternoon, they're not coming back tomorrow. They're not. They'll be. It'll be back, but it's going to be three, four, five days before they come back. Yeah, they'll make. And I bait can bring them back at times, but all you might bring back is is a younger sow with her her litter. Your the, yeah. the big older boars are most likely going to head out, and they're nomadic anyway. And if if they sense something's wrong or they see that there's something out of place, they'll just take off for where they know the next food and water source is. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're they don't normally give you a second chance. If they bust you, they're gone. Yeah. So well. Matt, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate hey, talking with you. One last thing I wanted to throw at you. Oh, yeah. Is I saw your episode you did uh, not too long ago with Austin and Jason Jones. Yes. Well, Austin and Jason are good friends of mine. I compete with them. And we got to talking last week down in Fort Benning, and we decided that uh, the London-Kentucky shoot's only about four or five hours. And we thought it'd be pretty neat to kind of call you out, so to speak, and see if you couldn't make it down there and either come shoot with us or at least come hang out with us for a weekend and, and see a little bit of what all this is about. Maybe talk to some of the other guys that are there and just thought it might be a good, good thing for you. Oh, yeah. When is it? Uh, the London shoot is June 20th through the 23rd. Well, I could probably make something. I think we can work something out. We, just, we thought you might enjoy that. And like I said, like I said, just kind of get down there and, and really see part, everything that we do and, and talk to some of the other guys. And, you know, I might make a, a little more separate recordings for you, but might make another interesting podcast, too, to be able to talk to all the different guys and maybe talk with Mike, you know, today. Anybody and everybody in the competition game will be there. So. so that's London, Kentucky on June 20th to the 23rd. Yep. Let me put that on my calendar. And, uh, but if nothing else, we'll just plan on plan on being there. It's, you'll enjoy it. You really like I said. Whether you, if you shoot the amateur class, that's fine. If you just come down just to watch and enjoy the week, you know, I mean, it, it, it'll be a good time. You'll you'll enjoy it and have a good time. Well, good that experience. should be fun. That's uh, yeah. In London, yeah. Kentucky is not all that far away. Yeah, that's what I was talking to Austin and Jason. They said because originally I thought Metropolis, uh, Illinois would be closer, and they said, "Oh no, 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 London's definitely closer." Because they said they don't live too far from you. No, uh, they're forty-five minutes from me. So yeah, fantastic. I'll uh, I'll definitely put that in. Let me check some dates, and I'll uh, shoot you a text message to let you know. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, again, Matt, you know, for everybody listening, they can reach you at Trying Hard Outdoors on Facebook, Trying Hard uh, Outdoors, and I'll have a link to that. Yep. I've also have a link to your Instagram account to oh, yeah. Collins Low Country, and if they reach out on the contact us page there, I believe that goes to you as well. Collins want to go straight to Collins, and then the one on the, the trying hard anything trying hard outdoors will come straight to me. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay, and I'll have links to and mission. Even if, they, if they send something to Collins and it's you know something specific or something for me, they'll they'll just forward it over. Oh, fantastic! Thank you at all. We've got a number of ways to get in touch with you. Anybody that sees you out on the shooting circuit should definitely stop and say hi. Absolutely. If you're a vertical bow hunter and have never shot a crossbow and you're out on the circuit watching everybody shoot, uh, go up and, and talk to Matt. 
look at the crossbows, look at the other crossbows the folks are shooting, and even go down to your local archery store and see what they've got lined up to to shoot with and to hold and you know, sometimes I think just the mystique of the crossbow makes some folks nervous, but yeah. And that, I mean, don't even just look, come up and talk to us. Any of us that shoot, you know, we're, we're all tied to these factories and stuff. We're all in the booth, you know, during when we're not on the range, come up and talk to us, come up at any one of us. I'll guarantee anybody on that shooting that pro class will be more than happy to walk to the target bags with you, hand in your bow, our bow, and let them. See, you can't beat that. You want to, if you're in the market for a crossbow, not sure because you've got, you've researched it so much to a point where you're just not sure. Uh, and a day at one of these events could really narrow that down or cut it right out for you and, and lead it right to what you want to get absolutely well thank you again for your time i really appreciate it and uh, i'll be in touch sounds good jason thank you you take care sir Bye. come early spring it's getting green fisher on the bed and hear those turkeys gobble it's ringing in my head the winter rise bass boat, here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors round here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake, flipping jigs in Carolina rigs, from early morning till real late. Bonfires on Creek Bank, kick back a couple beers, yeah we command the outdoors around here, yeah we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands. The fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors